Good evening and welcome to Enlightenmental 2.4. I am your host, Chi Ohi, and this is Enlightenmental Podcast, a special COVID-19 special. We're going to be focusing on surviving this. I am not going to say the word I just said a few seconds ago again for the rest of this podcast. So sit back, relax, and completely forget that you're in quarantine. Stay tuned. In recent me news, I've just had a baby. Way. So I'm excited about that. I have this new little human being that I can stare at for hours on end, um, who's beautiful and completely unaware of everything going on in the world. He was born just before things went nuts, just before. But of course, a little bit overdue because that's the style my children arrive in. <laughs> anyway, so that's my news. Um, really, I have to say I have myself been in a bit of a slump over the last couple of days since I had the baby because like I said my little person arrived and that was joyful for me but also you've got your usual kind of postpartum issues like you know you're just recovering from a traumatic event such as childbirth and of course that can have an effect on your emotions uh, I did have what people would call the baby blues I feel like I still kind of have it but I can't quite distinguish between whether it is to do with what's on the news or whether it's baby blues it may be a bit of both but whatever it is we don't want to bother about the cause because I can't eradicate the cause what I can do is treat the symptoms and deal with the symptoms right now the cause will sort itself out be it hormones or be it whatever the heck is going on in the news that we will not speak on about for the rest of this episode. Um, so I have been focusing more on my mindfulness and I know I keep on going on and on about this mindfulness thing, but that's only because it is so wonderful. <laughs> I thought that I would take the opportunity and take the time to actually properly tell you about it. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about mindfulness as a method of keeping our mental health nice and shiny and fresh like I said before um, and we're going to start by figuring out what is what is mindfulness first of all I've mentioned just bits and pieces here and there um, without really going into enough detail I've given examples of activities you can do but I haven't really given you like a background or I don't know I've not given you proper meat to chew on when it comes to what mindfulness is and how useful it, it can be so let's get into it So there is no doubt that at the moment, the world literally seems like it is in turmoil. Not It doesn't just seem like it's in turmoil, it is in turmoil. But our inner spaces, our minds needn't be. And though this is not a mental health retreat, this whole being in quarantine business, we can choose to treat it as one and allow our mentality to foster peace and freedom within us despite all the chaos and fear all around us. So I'm finally going to talk about mindfulness that I think pretty much saved my life. It's a tool that I learned that pretty much saved my life. And I've been promising to talk about it for ages and I haven't gotten around to it. But today 
I decided to just yeah bite the bullet get just get it done because it's so 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 important and it's such a powerful thing once you learn how to do it so according to mindful.org mindfulness is the basic human ability to be fully present aware of where we are and what we're doing and not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us the goal of mindfulness is to wake up to the inner workings of our mental emotional and physical processes we all technically know how to be mindful, but practicing daily is what enables us to use it when we need it most. Um, and as you will remember, maybe from one of my previous uh, podcasts, I may or may not have said, because I can never remember exactly what I've said. I know I talk about mindfulness or not. I just don't remember if I told you exactly how I learned about mindfulness. Um, I was going through a very, very difficult time um, at the start of my pregnancy, I just, you know, with hormones all over the place, it is very possible. Sorry, I just thought I heard my daughter for a second. <laughs> I always record these podcasts when the kids have gone to bed and it's nice and quiet. Ah, it's a small one. It's the tiny baby. I will be right back. Apologies for the interruption. I am back. So let's continue. So, <laughs> we all know how to be mindful. Ah, my little man is grizzling in the background. But he's right, I brought him here with me so that I would know if he needs anything. He's just trying to have a good sleep. It's funny how they can be so blissfully unaware of everything going on around them. I mean, they pick up on your feelings and your anxieties. If you're calm, they're calm. So it was very important to me that I learned how to do this. So I think I was telling you the story of how I learned about mindfulness before I realized that my son was complaining. <laughs> um, so. I was having a difficult time at the beginning of my pregnancy with hormones driving me nuts and basically pushing me back into the, like back over the edge of depression and anxiety again. Um, not to mention feeling really sick and feeling really, un, you know, unuseful in my home. Those things can kind of trigger you, especially when it's a continuous situation. It can kind of push you. Um, so that's where I was at the time. And I had already been taught using a service called Talking Therapies. If you're in the UK, you may or may not have heard of them. If you Google them, they are an NHS service. Um, <clears throat> and I had been doing CBT at the time. And my CBT uh, therapist happened to mention that there was this thing called MBCT, which is Mindfulness-Based Cognitive Therapy. I think that's I think that's what that stands for. And I thought, well, that sounds amazing because the couple of times that me and her had explored mindfulness in our sessions, she had sent me home with it uh, to do as a, as a bit of an assignment. And I hadn't really explored it much at home because I don't know, I always had this way of thinking towards um, mindfulness that kind of just, oh, it's meditation, oh, it's this hippie, hippie business and quote-unquote hippie business you know what I mean I just kind of had a feeling that mindfulness or meditation would be something that's way out there somewhere 
I never really looked into it. <clears throat> Not properly anyway. But uh, so one day I'd come into a session and it had been such a difficult time that even getting to the session, I just kind of was in emotional bits. So we did we did a bit of mindfulness in the session and I was like, whoa, what was that? So she suggested me going on an eight-week MBCT course. And I was there with other people who, one of whom, two, two people were pregnant, I think. Um, two other people were pregnant. And everybody else there was either a working person or a parent or a grandparent struggling with anxiety and depression, mostly anxiety. With incredibly busy lives, it you can be swallowed up in the anxiety and the stress you experience in just living your daily life. Before you know it, it's time to go back to bed again and you haven't even dealt with it. So I went on this course and this eight-week course, I missed the very last week and maybe another week but it was the most impactful thing I think I've ever learned how to do we explored different ways different techniques different you know there are different types of practices that's what it's called when you do mindfulness it's called a practice and there are moving practices there are practices that are used for right here in the moment and there are just there's so many different practices you could create a practice of your own really because mindfulness again reminding you of what the definition was that i gave at the beginning is just your ability to be fully present of where you are um, present where you are <laughs> there is i can't remember what type of practice this is but something as simple as having a cup of coffee in your hands and stirring it and just being fully present with the cup of coffee the warmth of the coffee in your hands and the sound of the teaspoon stirring the cup. That focus for a little bit, it just lulls you into a gentle calmness. You're actually able to appreciate the smell of your tea. The, you know, you think about those things and that right there can slow your heart rate right down. If you think about how you felt just the few seconds that I, or milliseconds that I was talking about that, you can see what I mean. So yeah, it benefited me a lot, which is why I talk about it as much as I do. Because literally, like I said, my kids could be running virtual circles around me. Virtual, literal, I don't know, I should stop using those words. But they could actually be running circles around me, running rings around me all day, driving me nuts. And I can stop in that moment and breathe. And it's like when I take that deep breath and let it out, it's like I'm blowing everything away I can see it but from a distance and it's still there I can still hear the sights and the I can hear the sounds I can see the sights but I'm able to distance myself just enough just enough to get myself together anyway so how exactly do I do mindfulness then if, if that's, you know, what you'd like to ask me. The first cool thing about mindfulness is that it's something you can do literally anywhere. I said I was going to stop using that word. <laughs> and at any time. It's a tool that is always available to you, so to speak. A great and very personal example is what I just mentioned, you know. Chaos in a household. Kids drive me up the wall close my eyes and I focus on my breathing and 
There it is. That space. I describe that feeling as almost being able to pause time within time itself, where I have my translucent bubble, where I can view the old, well, I can view the world and it's everything, almost in slow motion. And I'm able to take the time to calm myself all the way down. You won't always make it all the way down, by the way, but I'll get to that in a minute. Before suddenly pressing play again and returning to the situation as a different version of myself. I'm just sh- I'm just kind of sharing my experience with mindfulness. It doesn't always work like this, but again, I'll get to that in a second. I use this word a lot recently, but it feels almost like a superpower. It's it almost is. To me, I feel like when I can break out the mindfulness, it's like, yeah, I just revealed my superpower. <laughs> it's my thing that I can do that suddenly changes everything, almost. I won't make it sound like it's a flawless method and it solves everything, because it definitely doesn't, but it definitely makes life so much easier to deal with, and that's sometimes all you need. Sometimes just being able to feel that the weight you're carrying is slightly less heavy makes it that much easier to bear. You will still get distracted from time to time. Occasionally, the things of the outside world will poke holes in your bubble or your force field, and sometimes your own thoughts will interfere with your ability to keep breathing. But the second cool thing about mindfulness is its most important rule. Approach yourself with kindness. When your thoughts creep up in your mind and you catch yourself getting distracted, approach with kindness. Oh, I've gotten distracted. That's okay. That's perfectly normal. Back to my breathing. In. Out. In. Out. And that's literally all it is. Practicing that. Think about the effects that practicing something like that. Practicing kindness. Practicing that ability to calm yourself down despite what's going on around you. Think about the power in practicing something like that. I did hear my mindfulness teacher once say that the more she does it, the more she needs to do it. I can understand why doing it would uh, kind of lead to you needing more of it. Because it's, it's, like I said, it feels like a superpower. It is pretty powerful. And it's it's a skill you're building. You're building the ability to back away from stress before stress encumbers you. Or even if it is encumbering you right now, unless you're having an actual full-blown panic attack where it is really, really hard to, I don't think you can really um, do anything in a moment like that because that's a medical emergency pretty much. I wouldn't say medical emergency, but we'll talk about that some other time. That's a different state of mind entirely that I don't think you have very much voluntary uh, control over that situation. But unless that's the situation, you always have a little tiny bit of control that you can exert or exert. And it just starts with being kind to yourself. Okay, my brain works like this. I get anxious sometimes. I get overwhelmed sometimes. It's it's a, a thing where you allow yourself to get, your know, get to know yourself and accept yourself for who you are. 
you need that attitude to be able to be mindful and to be able to continue to be mindful and to do your practices. So we've talked about this today. I've kind of given you a little introduction and I'm going to do a teeny tiny little practice with you maybe. You can choose to do it with me at the end of the podcast or you can skip it Um, and I will tell you when I'm going to start. Or, you know, you could just, you could decide to do it with me anyway. But also, I feel like, now I did mention, I do mention and I continue to mention every podcast episode so that people are aware that I am a Christian woman. So my perspective, this is my, my podcast is not like, I'm not a medical person in terms of like mental health or anything like that. I will give that disclaimer now. I'm just a person sharing her experience with life. And that is also my experience as a Christian woman, a Christian mother, whatever, because Christianity is part of who I am. So for me, it's almost a spiritual experience, taking that time to just be present in what God's created. So I feel like it's it's a good way to kind of reconnect how do I explain this? I don't have the words anymore. Like I had something in my head and now it seems to have just flittered away like a little butterfly. Anyway, <laughs> so it's, 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 yeah, it's a powerful thing. Um, so yeah, I'm going to tell you about some of the practices you could do at home, at work, or absolutely anywhere you are. And then we're going to try one at the end of this podcast. It will not be longer than a minute. So practices you could try yourself. I am going to put some links to some useful websites in the description of this podcast. But one practice you could do is the one I mentioned earlier. Make yourself a cup of tea. If you don't like tea, hmm. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. If you don't like tea, uh, hmm. Well, don't worry about it. It's not for you then. (laughs) This is for anybody who does like tea or coffee or warm drinks. Um, boil Boil your kettle listen to the sound of the kettle just stand by the counter and listen to the sound of the kettle as it boils don't think too hard about it just listen to it approach what you hear with curiosity what is this don't necessarily seek to answer that question just listen when the kettle boils pour your water into a mug and Watch as the steam swirls up into the air. Sniff out, sniff out. (laughs) Put your tea bag in, or if you've already put your tea bag in, not inhale, but smell the scent of the tea. Think about what different scents you can pick out. I'm not expecting you to know what you're smelling, just smell them. And when you think about them, don't think about them with words, feel them. Put your hands on either side of the mug and hold the mug and feel the warmth. I mean, this is a boiling mug, so you might not want to do that immediately. It's a boiling, you just boiled the water, so maybe not, don't put your hands on the mug unless it's like a really thick mug. And I'm ranting or rambling, ignore that, but yeah. Get your teaspoon, get a jar of sugar. 
if you do that, or honey, or whatever you put in there. Or if you don't put anything in there at all, that's just fine. Get your teaspoon and draw out your tea bag, bring it out, and just stir. If you take milk, if you don't take milk, if you add sugar, whatever you add, take the time to pause while you're doing that thing and deliberately do that thing. You could decide to count the number of strokes that you take when you're stirring the cup. You could do that. You don't have to. You could decide to just listen to the sound of the teaspoon against the cup as you stir. Again, you could do that. You don't have to. It's a type of practice that I don't remember the the name of, but it is a type of being present where you are. So that was a description of like doing that with a cup of tea. You could do it with your breakfast cereal in the morning, you know, deliberately tasting every flavor in the cereal, deliberately feeling the the, the temperature of the, of the milk. And I know this sounds a little nuts. <laughs> if you've never thought about or read about or tried mindfulness before, it will sound a little bit out there, but it's that taking your time to actually enjoy what life is, life's little tiny moments. And it's not just enjoying, it's like looking at them and approaching them with curiosity, being physically physically and mentally present because we do a lot of things on autopilot. And that kind of forces us to think that we're not, you know, we think we don't, it doesn't force us, but it like, it makes us think that we are not doing as much as we actually are because you relegate things to autopilot, which means you think, okay, my hands are now free to do more. You demand more of yourself and more of yourself and more of yourself. And you think to yourself, I'm not achieving as much as I should. But who told you that? It's this inability to connect with life and connect physically and fully with what we're doing that makes us think that we're not enough. But hey, we're not going to get too deep right now. So yeah, that's... Still, I think it's still the same kind of practice I've just described to you when I talked about the breakfast cereal. There's also the one where, the one I use a lot in my day-to-day life at the moment because I'm a young mom and all of that. I have a young family, I meant to say, and all of that. Um, is the one where, yes, things are going nuts around me and I pause, I close my eyes and I breathe. I hear everything around me and then I deliberately tune it out for a moment. Then I tune back in and listen to those sounds again. But I take my time. I can't remember what type of practice that is. I can't remember what it's called. It's so annoying that I can't remember these terms. But it's been my most useful practice. If you're at work, for example, like I used to work in a busy school environment. And before that, I used to work in a busy hospital environment. Both of those places, not necessarily the best place to do mindfulness. I mean, but you could always find a moment. Trust me, there's a moment. There's a moment somewhere. Um, uh, what I meant to say, like, not the kind of mindfulness, not mindfulness I just gave the example of, but let's say, for example, you work in an office and you've been working on, let's say you're a graphic designer, you've been working on a project and for some reason you just can't think of this idea, you can't move past the point you're at at the moment because you're just like, this thing needs something else. Oh, I just can't find, I just, and you know, when you get stressed up and knotted up like that, it actually makes it harder for you to think of something new. It Creativity doesn't do well under stress. Uh, str- like creativity, no. Productivity sometimes thrives in the presence of stress, but creativity usually shuts down. So 
you will struggle at that point. And that would be a good time to just step back and do that kind of reactive mindfulness that I just described. The type that I use a lot at home where you just, okay, this thing is still not getting any dunner. (laughs) That's not a word. This piece of work is not getting any more complete. It's not, I'm not actually able to figure out what this problem is. So I'm going to distance myself from it for a split second and allow myself to hold myself, just, just gather myself together. And then I'll come back to it with fresh eyes. And actually, usually what will happen after you've done that is you can make better decisions as to whether or not you should even complete that right now, whether it's a good time to go get a cup of coffee, whether it's a good time to go have a break. Maybe you have not had any breakfast or you it's lunchtime and you've been trying to work past your lunch hour and listen, you just need to go take a break. Okay. If you need to make that decision, that would be after after having that moment of mindfulness, you'd be able to you'd be better equipped to make that decision because you probably weren't even aware to begin with thanks to stress but also and here's where my favorite bit comes in the third cool thing about mindfulness is the scientific aspect of it mindfulness is very useful for people who suffer from anxiety because what happens when you get anxious or stressed your heart rate increases your respiration rate increases now when i say respiration rate i mean I actually mean the way you breathe. So I'm, I'm using the wrong terminology perhaps, but I mean when you breathe, you will probably hyperventilate slightly, which means you are actually doing more work, but le- with less efficiency. You are getting less oxygen to all the cells of your body, which means you are less able to actually solve your problem than if you had been calm. So that makes you less able to actually see the problem exactly as it is. So when you might when you do something mindfully or when you take time to do a mindfulness practice or when you react with mindfulness respond with mindfulness rather you're able to calm your heart rate down you're able to breathe more deliberately which is why I keep giving the example of the breathing practice which means you're able to adequately oxygenate your brain cells most especially which gives them the chance to make better decisions. So that was the scientific explanation for what I was talking about earlier, for the phenomena I spoke about earlier. So yeah, that's my little intro, not so little intro, to mindfulness. I am going to put, um, like I said, the links in the description. I think rather than trying to do a mindfulness practice now, I am going to let you do one. Description is in the uh, the description, the link is in the description box below and you can have a go or you can, you know, you don't have to, but I'd, I'd definitely advocate you have a go and see why I'm so crazy about mindfulness and always remember to treat yourself, approach yourself with kindness because yes, if you get distracted, you're just, you're just being human. It's normal and you can always you know, pull yourself back. You have the power to do that. And when you get annoyed at yourself for being distracted, be kind to yourself about that too. Oh, but I'm supposed to be being kind to myself. Yeah, be kind to yourself about that as well, because that's a normal human reaction to not managing to do something you wanted to do perfectly. Anyway, I'm going to end this 
podcast on this note. Yes, the world is going crazy. You don't have to. You can mindfully retreat from the world and its madness and find sanity in your own bubble. Just take the time to give yourself a bubble. Give yourself the space that you need. Anywho, that's the end of this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear me talk about anything else or my perspective on anything else in terms of mental health or absolutely anything really, let me know. Send me a message. Comment, you know, on wherever you find this. Um, share this if you like it. Um, and I hope to see you again or speak to you again next week on Enlightened Mental Podcast. Take care, stay safe, wash your hands, and don't go outside. Good night.